The Daily Logos, Episode 2, Justification by Grace. In order for us to celebrate grace and truly appreciate what it is, we have to fully understand it. And the best way to understand something is, of course, to define it. The definition of grace is unmerited divine assistance offered to human beings for their regeneration and sanctification. There are four components in the definition we need to focus on. So the first one is, the first component is the fact that it's unmerited. So you can't earn it. You can't go get it on your own accord. You can't just decide one day to go pick it up. You can't get it from good deeds. It's just not the way it works. You can't just, I need some grace today. I'm going to go do X, Y, and Z. Okay, got it. Grace. It's divine assistance. That's the second component, which is just help from our Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? The three aspects of God or three persons, modes of being, however you'd like to word it. The third component is regeneration. And regeneration is to be restored to a better, higher, or more worthy state. So now we're starting to see the purpose there, kind of built into it. The fourth component is sanctification. That's to make productive. There's three elements to sanctification, by the way. The first element is to make productive of holiness or piety. The second element is to set apart to a sacred purpose or to religious use. And the third is to free from sin or to purify. So what we get when we kind of put all this together is grace is a gift from God that we can't just go earn it on our own accord. We can't control it. We're not the arbiters of his grace. And the purpose of it is to restore us to a better, higher, or more worthy state. To make productive use out of, to set apart, to use for a sacred purpose, for religious use, to free from sin or to purify. And the the misunderstanding with this is that human beings don't have to do anything because of that grace. And that's, that's the, I don't know how that got into certain Protestant circles, but it's like grace is there and I can't fall from grace. And we'll talk about that later on, but it's like, people think you can't lose your salvation. That's not biblically supported. They think it is, but it isn't. And there's many, there's much confusion on that, but we'll talk about falling from grace towards the end of this. Let's see what other purpose is captured in Scripture. I'm going to read you Titus 2, 11 through 14. <clears throat> for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So let's kind of rip through that again. So God's grace appeared through Jesus Christ. That's where salvation comes. The purpose of grace is to train us. It's training to get rid of ungodliness, to get rid of rebellion to get rid of worldly passions, and to live self-controlled lives. What does it mean to be self-controlled? It means to be disciplined. We are to be spiritually and physically disciplined. That's the purpose of grace. We are to live upright, virtuous lives, godly lives in the present age with all the moral decay around us. We're to be upright and virtuous. And we do all of this waiting for our hope, which is the returning glory of Christ. And he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. What's the opposite of lawlessness? That's following God's laws. And we'll get into that more when we talk about justification by obeying God's law, which 
the Protestant Reformation left out, and we'll, we'll get into that. There's an entire podcast for it. But it's to purify for himself a people for his own possession. So he wants us, but he wants us to do things. He wants us zealous for good works. So you don't, we don't do good works to get saved. We do good works because we are saved and we want to honor and glorify our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to be ambassadors for him and to be competent representatives for him. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So there it is again, but that's kind of summarized as competency. So grace is available for spiritual competency in all things at all times, so we can abound for good works. Not when you feel like it, not half the time, not part time, in all things at all times. We should be spiritually competent. And we should seek to do good works out of that spiritual sufficiency and competency. And the last one that captures grace in a very concise way, I think, is great. Because it ties into other ways that we're justified. We have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations. Well, obedience to faith. So, you know, people hear the word obedience and they're like, wait a second, I have to obey? Yes, Christ is Lord. And what that means for Christ to be the Lord of your life is for you to submit, and submission is to obey, to submit our lives to Christ. The Greek word is supatasso. And we're going to talk about what exactly we're supposed to be obeying the guiding ethos, but it's basically the entire New Testament. Now, God's moral law, God's standards for morality never changes. So it's important that you understand when you go back in the Old Testament, yes, there are laws that are still relevant to us because we have to follow God's ethical code because that's eternal. It doesn't change. Now, many people will say, you know, I can't fall from grace. I can't lose my salvation. And it doesn't really matter if I disagree with you. The fact of the matter is that the Bible disagrees with you and there's biblical evidence that you can and I'll give you two examples of falling from grace. The first example is say, uh, excuse me, Lucifer. Lucifer was disobedient, and he never repented. And we see what happened with him. And you might say, or anyone for that matter might say, well, that's a heavenly example. I'm a human being. It's different. God's grace is sufficient. Well, it is sufficient if you're participating in the process of justification and you're striving to be obedient, and you're learning and updating and repenting and growing, sure, His grace is sufficient. But if you are disobedient and you don't repent, then God's grace is not to be abused. That's just the bottom line. And the other human example that we have is one of the apostles is in hell right now, Judas. People think Judas is saved, and that's not the case in Acts. It tells us, the book of Acts tells us that Judas is in hell. Well, Judas followed Christ. Judas knew that Christ was Lord. He believed, and yet he's in hell. So what's the difference between, let's say, Peter, who denied Christ in front of men, and Judas? Judas didn't repent. He didn't turn away from his sin. And we talked about repentance yesterday. There's three elements to it. It is to feel contrition about what you've done, to feel sorry for your sin. The second is to update your mind on what sin is, and the third is to turn away from it. It is to stop sinning. That's what repentance is. It's all three of those things. <clears throat> and grace is, like, grace is not this 
is not something to be abused. It's not a permission slip to sin. It's an insurance policy on your soul. And it's to bring about obedience. It is for your improvement. It is for your growth. It is for it's to cover the nobility of your striving, right? When you stumble, it's to cover that while you're growing in Christ. So if an apostle can fall from grace, if an angel can fall from grace, what in the world makes any of us think that we cannot fall from grace? So this, this beautiful gift of grace that is so often misunderstood as this unconditional, and you know, the thing is, yes, God's love for us is unconditional, but it doesn't mean that there aren't consequences for our actions. You know, God expects certain things from us. And we see this, I don't know why people think it's any different. If you go to school, if you don't act a certain way, you can get suspended or expelled, kicked out of the school. If you go to work, you don't behave a certain way, you don't follow a certain set of rules, you get fired. I don't know why anybody thinks the kingdom of heaven is any different. Any different. So if an apostle can fall from grace through disobedience, if an angel can fall from grace through disobedience, why would we think it would be any different? So we should take this gift of grace seriously and understand its purpose and its definition. It's unmerited divine assistance offered to human beings for their regeneration and sanctification. And God said through Paul, the purpose of grace is to bring about obedience to faith and to get rid of lawlessness, to get rid of worldly passions, to get rid of ungodliness and to make ourselves useful. Being a Christian is a call to action. It is a call to be useful. It is a call to labor for the Lord's harvest. And what he wants to see from us is he wants us to utilize his grace properly. He wants to see the commitment. He wants to see the effort. He wants to see that constant effort. That's what the purpose of grace is. Continual effort. Continual repentance. It is utilizing grace properly that justifies you. If we abuse grace, much like the examples that we went over, we can fall from it. I hope everyone has a fantastic day. God bless.